Welcome to The Barbell Strikes Back. I'm your host, James McDermott, and today's show is another edition of my Seminar Notes series. Seminar Notes is where I share things that I've learned on coaching, programming, and human movement from seminars that I've taken over the last 10 plus years. My hope is that this information can help someone listening be a better athlete or better coach. And I know for me personally, it has been doing both of those things because it has been great reviewing all of this information again. And it's been a great reminder to me of drills that I can use with my athletes, methods and concepts that I can implement into my programming and also cues that I've long forgotten about that I can use with my athletes to help them move better. And I would also say that another goal of mine and hope of mine is that by sharing these little tidbits, maybe you will be motivated to go out into the world and take one of these courses. You would be surprised what a quick Google search will bring up and what seminars are going on in your area. So if you're an athlete or a coach and you wanna learn more about weightlifting, CrossFit, gymnastics, powerlifting, strongman, seek out these events and bring a notebook and take notes because you're gonna learn a lot of stuff. And hopefully this motivates you to do just that. Uh, last week, I talked about some things that I've learned on the jerk. And this week, I'm going to be focusing on uh, things that I've learned that pertain to both the snatch and the clean. Uh, there's really nothing going on here that is isolated to one of those movements. It's a little bit more general of a show today. And most of what I'm going to be talking about is going to be coming from a coaching standpoint although there is certainly a lot that athletes can apply to themselves, but I'm trying to pass on some knowledge and some insight to help coaches better their athletes a little bit more as well. Uh, the seminars that I'm gonna be pulling from today are the CrossFit weightlifting seminar. We talked about that one last time. So I'm double dipping on the CrossFit weightlifting seminar here. Great course. I'm also gonna be pulling from the Chase the Atmosphere weightlifting seminar that John North and Jared Enderton held uh, at Self-Made Strength all the way back in, I think, 2015. Man, I can't believe it's almost five years ago, or it is five years ago. And I'm also going to be talking about something that I observed and learned at the Travis Cooper weightlifting seminar. So let's dive right into it. The first topic comes from the CrossFit weightlifting seminar, and it involves the hook grip. Now, I'm really glad that CrossFit took the time to go into the intricate details of the hook grip at this seminar. I've been to many weightlifting seminars before and usually the hook grip is glossed over. It's, hey, we wanna use it. This is what it looks like. This is how you do it. Let's use it for the entire seminar. And yeah, it's gonna to be tough, but I'm glad that CrossFit gave a deeper explanation on why it's important to use the hook grip. Because as a coach, if you're going to insist that your athletes do something, it helps a lot and you should be able to tell them why you're doing it. That helps build that trust between the athlete and the coach. And it shows the athlete the value behind what we're doing. And it can be hard to perceive that value in a positive way when what we're doing is uncomfortable. And the hook grip is certainly uncomfortable. It hurts. I remember the first time I started to do it, my thumbs were on fire. It felt like they were falling off. And it's not something that you want to do again. But if you want to be successful in the snatch and the clean, you definitely have to. Now, they explained at the CrossFit seminar 
that the thumbs will hurt for roughly two weeks. And I agree with that, yes. Uh, but I think that pertains more to weightlifters. Uh, if you're someone who's coming in three to four to five days a week and you're doing the snatch and the clean often, then yeah, two weeks, you'll be used to it, maybe even a little bit quicker. But for CrossFitters, I know at our gym at Albany CrossFit, the snatch and the clean might only come up in the programming once or twice a week. And sometimes when it pops up, it might be with a dumbbell or a kettlebell. So we're not always going to be using a barbell. And it might take those athletes a little bit longer to get used to that grip. And there is a flip side to that. Since we are using so many different implements in CrossFit with kettlebells, rowing, pull-up bars, the floor, uh, wall balls, the whole deal, dumbbells, uh, the grip does get stronger overall. So I, I wonder if there is some carryover between using so many different implements that that would help one get used to the uncomfortableness of the hook grip quicker or not. I don't know. That's a, I don't know how you would do that experiment. That's just a random thought I just had, but uh, it's going to take a little bit longer generally, especially for the snatch for people to get used to that hook grip for CrossFitters. And uh, what they did at the CrossFit weightlifting seminar is that they read an excerpt from Arthur Dressler's book, the weightlifting encyclopedia, a guide to world-class performance. Now, if you are a coach and or an athlete and you collect books on weightlifting or strength and performance, highly recommend you get that one. You can probably find it on Amazon. I'm not sure I have mine, but I don't remember where I got it from, but you can certainly probably find it on Amazon or online somewhere. It's a great resource to have in your toolbox as a coach or an athlete to refer to and just make yourself a bit more knowledgeable about the intricacies of the sport. So highly recommend you get that book. The statement that they read is as follows. Quote, there is a neurological component to the grip. The body won't extend or pull with optimal speed or power if it thinks the bar may slip from the hand. End quote. I think this is fantastic. Uh, one, you can explain to someone and impart the knowledge that if we want to perform at our highest capabilities, we have to use this more secure and stronger and safer grip. And one example that the uh, instructors at the CrossFit seminar, Josh Everett and Chris Ryan uh, also used was that the thumb is the weakest part of the hand. And if you've ever taken a self-defense course, you know that if someone grabs you by the wrist, if you turn aggressively against their thumb, you have a chance to break free of their grasp. And since the thumb is the weakest part of the hand, we're going to instead use it as a strap to lock that bar in to create that stronger, secure, and of course, safer grip. And to go back to the hand opening, we've all been there when you're doing a heavy deadlift where you start to stand a little bit and maybe your grip is the limiting factor here and your hand starts to open. Well, it's way harder to stand up with that weight. All of a sudden, a little alarm goes off in your head. We're losing it. We're losing it. And then maybe it slips out eventually out of one of those hands and you just couldn't quite get it. But if you were wearing lifting straps, you're probably going to be able to fight through that lift a little bit better because your grip is secure. Now imagine you're trying to pull under aggressively on a snatch or a clean. Well, if your hand starts to open, the brakes are going to get put on by your nervous system. 
whoa, 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 this doesn't feel safe at all. I think we should stop. And then you're not going to be able to do it. Although there are people out there that can certainly will themselves to do it. Uh, for beginners, probably the brakes are going to get put on. So we want to use that hook grip. It eliminates the weakest part of the hand. It gives us a stronger, more secure grip and a safer grip, not only from a standpoint of what we're trying to accomplish with the movement, but our nervous system will perceive it as safer and we'll be able to move more effectively. And if we can move more effectively with better technique, then that as well is safer overall. And the way that I kind of rationalize it too is um, think about other activities. You know, I know sometimes, you know, when beginners start like, hey, this hook grip really hurts. I don't want to do it. And I've taught so many beginners that have said that same thing to me. But as a coach, I must insist that you use the hook grip. And you should too, if you're a coach, because any activity we do will have uncomfortable aspects to it. But we still do those activities. Think about running. If you're going to start running and you want to get in better cardio shape, you buy a new pair of running shoes, you got to break them in. Maybe your feet hurt when you do that, or the shoes are uncomfortable, but you know you have the knowledge, and it's a common term, of breaking in your shoes. You start riding a bike for the first time. Your butt's going to hurt because you're not used to sitting on the seat. Maybe even you're in a CrossFit gym for the first time, and you have a goal of getting pull-ups. You saw the CrossFit games. You saw them doing the Atlanta workout, doing endless pull-ups, and you're like, man, I want to do that. Well, guess what? You're going to have to jump up on that pull-up bar and build your way up, and it will be uncomfortable. Your hands are going to hurt. You have to get used to it. It's part of the activity. So I don't know why we treat weightlifting any differently. And I think about it in terms of if you give an athlete an easy way out in the beginning by allowing them to quit when small things are uncomfortable, then how is a coach can you expect them to not quit when the sport gets really hard or big obstacle comes up? They didn't build up the mental capacity to handle small little things like the hook grip. Now, all of a sudden, you're asking them to overcome missing lifts, not making PRs regularly, uh, gaining weight. They're plateauing on all of their lifts. Who knows what's going on? Uh, they lose in competition or bomb out on whether it be CrossFit or weightlifting or something else, how can you expect them to deal with that if all the way back in the beginning of their development, you said it was okay to quit and do something differently when the sport got uncomfortable or got hard? You stunted their growth early on and in their training. So it's your fault that this is where we're at now. And what you're going to have to do is revisit the small things and start to master those and build up the mental capacity then, as opposed to being patient and sticking with it and trusting the process and ironing out those little uncomfortable things in the beginning, and then having that capacity to overcome big challenges later on in training. So something to think about for coaches out there, it's done, you know, you have to insist on doing it the right way. You have to insist on doing the little tiny details that may be uncomfortable but will get you to that ultimate success. Because if you don't, you're stunting their growth. And that's how I kind of look at the hook grip and what reading these quotes and reading the emphasis that CrossFit put on the hook grip reminded me of. It's like, well, hey, 
this is how I explain it to my athletes. Any activity you do is going to be uncomfortable, but we can get past that by working hard and doing it consistently. So that's, uh, those are my thoughts from the CrossFit weightlifting seminar and what I learned there. And hopefully that helps you relay the importance of the hook grip and why you're doing it to your athletes. And heck, if you're an athlete and you've been wondering, well, I hate the hook grip. Why do I have to do it? Now, hopefully you have a little bit better insight. Now, the next seminar that I'm going to talk about uh, from something that I learned was the Chase the Atmosphere tour given by John North and Jared Enderton. Uh, I, of course, known John North for years, but this was the first time I ever had an opportunity to meet Jared. Great guy, very knowledgeable. And at this seminar, something that really stuck out to me was his discussion and emphasis on creating a strong, powerful start position on the snatch and the clean. And he made mention that two inches off the floor, we know whether we have a chance to make the lift, you can feel it. So put yourself in the most powerful start position possible. That's a direct quote from Jared. And the powerful position that he's talking about involves actually being active and bracing your body and pulling slack out of your muscles before you pull that bar from the floor. He said that when the bar breaks from the floor and you set up correctly, uh, the bar should come with you when you go to stand, as opposed to maybe not having any tension in the legs and your hips shoot up too fast. That would be an example of not being braced. The back isn't engaged. Your legs aren't engaged. So when we break from the floor and practice setting up with light weights, they should come off of the floor because of the tension that you're imparting into the bar and the intention that you have with your start position. And those are, those are two important things. Of course, we can't be like a, like, you know, like, a, like a sponge when we're set up. We're trying to lift heavy weights. So we need to have some rigidity in the body. Of course, we don't want to be having the arms be too tense or pulling with the arms or anything like that, but we need the legs to be engaged. We need the core to be engaged. We need the back muscles to be tight. And all of that tension you're imparting into your body with the intention of breaking the bar from the floor will get you in that solid position. Uh, Jared made note that you might be able to break the bar from the floor on your setup with light weights. Maybe you have some 10 pound plates on your bar or 10 kilo plates on your bar. It'll pop off the floor just an inch or so. But when you have heavier weights on, it won't happen. And that's okay because the intention to do that is still there. And that's where that second word comes into play. We're creating the tension and we have the intention to do it. And what we practice with the lightweights should carry over into the heavyweights. It all feeds into the next. So have the intent to break it from the floor. It won't. But when you go to stand, the bar will come with you as opposed to you start to stand, the hips shoot up, your legs are fully extended, and then the bar breaks from the floor and you're essentially doing a complete RDL. And by doing this, Jared explained, you're preloading your skeleton with a certain amount of tension and weight in it. And that will help the bar, like I said before, come with you on the pull. And it will also help to alleviate the shock of the weight when you go to lift it. We've all been there before. You set up on the bar, you're ready to go. 
you start to stand and then all of a sudden that alarm goes on in your head. This is damn heavy. Oh man, I don't know how I'm going to do this. This helps to break some of that shock off. So if you're in a situation where you get to a certain percentage and it always just feels so heavy, maybe you need to do a better job of bracing in your setup and loading your body, preloading your body before you go to pull. And you know, what? I'm going to reach out to Jared. It'd be great to have him on the show to talk about this in a little bit more detail. Uh, but certainly, if you're a weightlifter or even a CrossFitter, try this out at home. Load a barbell up, uh, put 10 pound plates on, 10 kilo plates on, and see if when you're in your start position, if you can brace your back, your shoulders, your pull your shoulders back, brace and tense up your hips and legs so much that the bar comes off the floor a little bit. Pause for a second, feel the weight loaded to your body, and then snatch her clean. And it's probably going to feel a little tighter, a little stronger, because you're loading your muscles and your skeleton with the weight, as opposed to maybe being loose, and the weight is kind of just hanging off of tendons and joints and ligaments, which isn't strong, or at least strong for this, as it, as it could as the other muscles and skeleton. So something to try out at home. We don't want to break bad. It's like the, the show there. Now, finally, Travis Cooper weightlifting seminar. Uh, this is more of a coaching thing. Uh, I think that it's important, you know, as you start to go to seminars, not only to write down notes on what the instructor is saying, what they're writing on the board, little things like that. You, of course, want to write those things down and take good notes there. Take notes on the feedback that the instructor gives you but also take notes on the feedback and what the instructor is doing when they're coaching other people. You know, you're gonna have at a weightlifting seminar breaks where you're not lifting. So you can watch someone like Travis, who is an outstanding weightlifting coach, move around to other stations and coach other people. Or if you're working in a small group, coaching people in your group. Well, if you yourself are a coach, you're going to have athletes that are similar to those people around the room. So observe the instructor and write down what they're doing. What kind of tactile cues are they using? You know, are they pulling shoulders back? Are they tapping the sides of knees? Or are they doing something you've never seen before? Write it down. And one thing I saw Travis doing was as he would move around to people, he would sit on their weights so that while he was molding them in a better start position, they couldn't snatch or clean while he was there. And to be honest, it's happened to me before in on-ramp or CrossFit foundations uh, classes where I'll be right in front of someone, you know, like trying to mold them, get them set up, and then they'll just snatch or clean. And I'm like, whoa, I almost got hit by the bar there. You know, and I've had my shoulder clipped before by a crazy barbell going off when it shouldn't have. And I'd never thought before of just blocking the weight. And when you're working with an absolute beginner, they're at some point, you know, in fight or flight mode, you know, you're having them hold this start position, their legs are burning, they're trying to focus on so many different things, you're talking to them. And then maybe they hear someone else behind them or across the room, do a lift, or someone say something that sounds like go. And next thing you know, they're snatching and you're right in front of them. They don't mean to do it. It's just they're a beginner that this is all foreign and new to them. So there's so many there's so many uh, uh, stimuli going on 
that they get overstimulated and they might snatch when you're right there and you might get hit by a bar if you're a coach. So what I saw Travis do again is go over to people, uh, not when it was uh, like, let's say 10 pound plates, he would then just put his foot on the bar or foot on the plate. But when it was bigger, like a 35 pound plate, a 45 pound plate, he would just sit on the plates and mold people. And of course, you're not going to be able to budge that bar with him sitting it there. That'd be a heck of a lift. So that was just something that I observed him do was to block the bar so that it can't be moved. And now we can just focus on the task at hand. As a coach, Travis knows that he's safe. This person isn't going to go off and all of a sudden just snatch and he's not going to get a bar dropped on him or, or hit him on the way up. And the athlete is going to be less likely to pull because they're going to realize, well, hey, he's sitting on the weight. I can't move it at all. So I just thought that was a very cool thing to observe. And I had never thought of doing it before that way, but I've certainly started to implement it into my coaching and it's made things a lot easier. And also that angle that you're in when you're sitting on a plate and your feet are straddling either side of the bar, you've got a great angle now to really start to mold and move athletes around. And I know that's difficult in this day and age right now, but you know, when, um, when things become a little bit easier or, you know, you got your mask on, maybe throw on some gloves, you can still give tactile cues and move your athlete in a better way. And it's just a good vantage point to be able to do that. So guys, that is it for this week's installment of Seminar Notes. I hope you found this helpful in some ways. If you have any questions on anything that I talked about during this episode, send me a message on Instagram, either at the Barbell Strikes Back or James A. McDermott. You can email me at james.amcd at yahoo.com. If there's maybe a specific topic you want to hear about, let me know. You know, I'll, I'll go through my notes and see if I can find something that's similar and talk about it here on the show. And one last thing, I want to give a big shout out to all of the Albany CrossFit Barbell Club team members who are gearing up for their spooky practice Halloween meet coming up tomorrow on Halloween. We're going to be going through the paces. We're going to be practicing the ins and outs of a weightlifting meet. We're going to be going over the rules. We're going to be practicing the procedures that are going to happen between lifts, which right now, one of those things involves cleaning the barbell after every single attempt. We're going to be practicing all of that because the vast majority of them have not done a weightlifting meet since last December or the Arnold in, uh, in March. So it's been quite some time. So we need a refresher. We need to get the singlets on and we are going to have a great time. And yes, I will be playing Halloween music. I got the Monster Mash soundtrack all ready to go. Going to be playing that. And yes, we will have a lot of candy. Actually, too much candy. You see, I went to Hannaford to buy candy. And the problem, maybe you know this problem, is that when you buy a mixed bag of different candies, like Snickers, M&Ms, Kit Kats, things like that, you're not going to find the perfect bag that has the correct assortment. You know, like, like this bag over here might have Twix and this bag over here might have Kit Kats, but you're, it, you're not going to be able to maybe find a bag that has both of those things in it. So I was left unattended into my own devices and I ended up buying multiple bags because I'm like, well, this bag has one thing I want. That bag has another thing that I want. And now we have way too much candy. But hopefully the team will help me eat it. 
I'm definitely going to be forcing them to take as much of it home as possible so I don't get stuck with it because if not, it'll all be gone over the, the rest of the weekend. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, 